communion, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, the Eucharist, whatever you call it, this sacrament is such an important part of the life of the church. And I love that we're ending this seedbed series, this basics of our faith, with looking at communion. Because in communion, we see God's grand redemption story for us as humans. The United Methodist Church, in our Book of Discipline, uh, one of our articles of faith, Article uh, 28 on the Lord's Supper, it says this, The Supper of the Lord, communion, is not only a sign of the love that Christians ought to have among themselves, one to another, but rather is a sacrament of our redemption by Christ's death, insomuch that to such as rightly, worthily, and with faith receive the same, the bread which we break is a partaking of the body of Christ, and likewise the the cup of blessing is a partaking of the blood of Christ. Now, I know that's kind of a rather a, a clinical definition of what the Lord's Supper is, but I want us to begin to mine the depths of this beautiful sacrament that God has given us through Jesus. We call it a sacrament because it was instituted by Jesus. Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of and as I said last week when we talked about our other sacrament, baptism, that a sacrament is an outward sign of an inward grace. It's an outward sign of what God is doing inside of us, of something that is taking place inside of us. And for us to truly understand the Lord's Supper or communion, we must understand the story of Exodus, the Exodus that we see in the Old Testament. This is why I say over and over again, it's so important for us to know our Bibles to know this grand story of God, because I believe the Bible is one grand story of God's redemption for us. And so we need to understand the Old Testament and how it relates to the New Testament, and especially when it comes to communion and the importance of it. When we celebrate communion, we, we are placing ourselves in this Exodus event in the Old Testament. Uh, it's the story of, of Passover. Uh, and we have to place ourselves in that story because it really is our story. In fact, when Jews celebrate the Passover, uh, they celebrate it as if they were there. When we celebrate communion, we need to do the same thing. It's as if we're sitting around the table with Jesus. So as we go back in time, I want us to, to look at this great Exodus Passover story again. As we find ourselves as slaves in Egypt, this is the story of Exodus. And the book of Exodus is, is really about God's redeeming of his people in the darkest of days. They have been living as slaves in the midst of a hopeless slave existence. God executes a daring escape and he chooses a man, a man named Moses. He's the catalyst for this great event. Moses, an 80-year-old exile whose best days are seemingly behind him, is the one that God picks to execute this exodus. Indeed, this great act of salvation, this exodus, is, is the par paradigm for God's future deliverance for his people in the Bible. This act of covenant and exodus from Egypt to the promised land is the key salvation event in the Old Testament. We see in the Passover the shadow of the cross that is to come in Jesus. And so we need to understand that. This Passover event is integral to our understanding of salvation. In it, we see both life and death. The Passover event is the climax of the, of the 10 plagues that we read about 
that have been sent on the Egyptians. With the nine plagues before, there was always a possibility of God relenting. If you do this, then I won't do this. But here we see in this 10th plague that God says, my judgment has come. This is the day of judgment. Uh, Moses made this pronouncement to Pharaoh. There's a finality in this pronouncement of the plague. There is no turning back. God's plan is set. The day of judgment has come and for Egypt and Pharaoh. And, and this is important. The Passover brings life and it brings death. In Passover, we see life and death. Life for those who place themselves under the blood and death for those who do not, who defy God's plan. In fact, this whole scene of Passover that we read in Exodus, it, it kind of slows down. Uh, it, it spans three chapters. The pace of Exodus has been pretty quick, uh, pretty fast. For example, chapter two of Exodus tells the entire life of Moses up until age 80, just one chapter. But the Passover slows down and it spans all of chapter 11 and chapter 12 and the first 16 verses of chapter 13 of Exodus. And it actually gives us the ritual for the Passover. God wants the Israelites to remember this day and to celebrate it from here to eternity. No less than four times in the passage, God tells the people to remember this day as a perpetual observance to God. Remember this day as a perpetual observance to God. And God lays out the ritual for celebrating the Passover in order that the people would remember. It is both a solemn occasion and a joyous occasion. Why? Because in Passover, we have both life and death. Life for, for those who fall under the grace of God and death for those who do not, those who are opposed to God's good created order. This act of Passover and this covenant and exodus from Egypt to the promised land, it is the key salvation event of the Old Testament. That's important for us to know. This is what Jews celebrate, rally around this Passover event. And in chapter 12 of Exodus, we see this ritual that God institutes for Israel, a ritual that's to be observed and reenacted each year. These verses speak in detail about the Passover meal and the feast of unleavened bread that they're going to have afterwards, the week-long celebration that they're to have uh, when they finally get into the promised land. And in fact, in this Passover event, they celebrate it in the first month of the year. We read in Exodus 12, 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall mark for you the beginning of the months. It will be the first month of the year for you. In, in, in essence, God says, this is your new calendar. The Passover marks a new year and this is how you're going to celebrate. This is a new year because of this redemption story. Everything is made new. Even the calendar is new. Uh, your year has been recreated. Your deliverance from Egypt is a new beginning, a fresh start. It, it connects us back to Genesis and creation. It, it's a starting over here in the Exodus in Egypt. And the people in the ritual, what are they supposed to do? They're, they're to take a year-old lamb without defect, and they're to slaughter the lamb and to collect the blood of the lamb in a bowl. And then from that bowl, they are to dip, dip a hyssop branch and put the blood and apply it over the door frames of the home that they live in. And that sign of the blood is a sign of protection. They have placed, they have placed themselves under the protection of God and they will be spared 
death that is to come. King David would later uh, use this image in one of his Psalms, Psalm 51, 7. He says this, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. After they slaughter the lamb, they, they roast it and eat it along with bitter herbs and bread without yeast. The text tells us that they, they didn't have time to, uh, for bread to rise and so they were to, break un, uh, they were to bake unleavened bread because they were going to be saved so quickly they didn't have time for the bread to rise. And this journey to freedom that they were about to bark on would, would take uh, place so quickly. So you, you don't have time. Take the bread, unleavened and go. They are even called to eat the meal with their shoes on, with their sandals on and their staff, uh, as if they are ready to go at any moment. And, and every year around the world, Jews still celebrate the Passover. And they're told to celebrate it in a way in which they can use their imagination. They to imagine that they are there, that Passover happened to them. It's not just something that happened in the past, it's happening now. And that image, you know, with the blood over the doorposts of the heart of the, of the door uh, is a reminder that the, the angel would pass over them. That's where we get uh, that name, Passover. The angel of death would spare them. This Passover night is a night of life and death. I'll, I'll let the text speak for itself. Exodus 12, 12 and 13. It says this. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Passover is an event of life and death. Life again for those who place themselves under the blood, death for those who do not. And if an Israelite family had not put the blood over the doorposts, they wouldn't have been spared. And in the same way, if an Egyptian family had placed the blood over the doorposts, they would have been spared. It was not about nationality. It was about the blood that God applied. And that was the distinction. Uh, and so salvation we see uh, was for any who had pushed the blood over. But why blood? Blood represents life. And for the Jewish people, for us, blood is life. It is a sign of life. It is a, a life that provides the life for Israel. We saw that even earlier in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They felt ashamed. And God had to kill an animal and provide the, the hide to cover their sin and shame. Our sin causes death. And here we see the sacrifice of a, an animal so that we can be spared and given life. And Passover is life and death. The blood of creation is shed so that Israel's blood might be spared. And on Passover, the firstborn of all of Egypt is killed. The death that has come is because of the evil that is perpetrated by Pharaoh. It is a tragedy. Uh, because of the evil of Pharaoh, all of Egypt suffers death. How often does that happen in the world today? We see that even now uh, between Russia and Ukraine. Because of uh, a Russian leader, he is causing all of this death in Ukraine. Evil leaders who cause death and destruction on their people and others. Uh, 
But we also see that it's not just the Jewish people who are spared, as I said a moment ago. Many non-Israelites were a part of the Exodus as well. You, you see, freedom for Israel also meant freedom for many others. We must remember this always. God, God's plan of redemption started with a family, with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, the, uh, the Israelites, but it was for the entire world. It wasn't just for a family. They were blessed so that they could bless and help save the rest of the world. God's plan of redemption started with the Jews, but it was for the whole world to experience. This act of covenant and exodus from Egypt to the promised land, again, is the key salvation event of the Old Testament. But it wasn't enough. We see this pretty quickly. Especially, we'll see it later on in Exodus. It's not enough. It just isn't enough. God fulfilled his part of the covenant, but the people failed to fulfill their part. God sent a protector and a shepherd, Moses, who was an outcast. God called him, but the, the people wouldn't listen to him. They constantly rejected his leadership, but God would not relent. And he continued to unfold his salvation plan for the world. Israel wouldn't see it until some almost 1,500 years later. And here's where we see God had in mind a new exodus, an exodus that would go beyond anything we'd ever experienced before. Uh, and this exodus would be led by a new Moses, in a sense. Like this old Moses, this new Moses, this redeemer will also be a shepherd. In fact, he was born for this very purpose. He is the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep. And like Moses, this redeemer will also be rejected by his own. Like Moses, he, he first experienced Israel's rejection and became an outcast and an alien. He did not descend from the comfort and prestige of an Egyptian palace and court, but from heaven itself. And God became man and dwelt among us, a despised man at that, and for our sake and for our salvation. And God remembered his covenant, not only remembered it, but said, I'm going to make a new covenant, a covenant of blood. And so during Israel's most holy of celebrations, Passover, Jesus shows us a new exodus, a new Passover. Jesus, in a sense, becomes the sacrificial lamb that is slain and the, the blood placed on the doorposts of our heart so that we wouldn't experience the slavery to sin and death but so that we could be redeemed and recreated, so that we would have true redemption, so that we would know the true way of salvation. In Passover, there's life and death. It's the same with Jesus. If we accept the gift of sacrifice in Jesus, we are promised new life. If we don't, then death awaits us. God desires for us to share in the life that he has for us in this redemption. And that brings us to our text for the morning. I'm gonna let us watch it. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. 
For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. So as Jesus is celebrating the Passover in the upper room with his disciples, it's something that all of them had done their entire life. It was one of those traditions they knew by heart. They all knew their role and the significance of the meal and the event. But this was no ordinary Passover meal, as we've stated. As Jesus is leading the ritual, he does something strange. He changes the ritual. He changes the tradition. And I'm sure the disciples are going, what is happening? I'm sure they begin to straighten up and pay attention a little more because they've never seen this before. Uh, Jesus speaks words that are not in the Passover liturgy. And, and I'm sure it kind of heightened the anxiety in the room and made everyone think, what is happening? Here during the ceremony, he takes the, the Passover bread, the unleavened bread that they're all used to. And in this bread, he breaks it and he gives it to his disciples. And instead of saying the, the liturgy they would all expect, he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And we see in this image that Jesus is the bread of life. He is the one who is broken so that we can have life. Uh, the text says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He is making Passover about himself. That's so important for us to understand. This is another exodus, another way out. And then after the supper, he took a, a cup of wine and he said, this, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. What a fascinating word that he says about this cup, this cup of wine. It is my blood poured out for you. And we see again, life is in the blood. Now, in a Passover meal, there are typically four cups of wine that you would drink in the ritual uh, before the meal, during the meal, after the meal, and, and so forth. We think that this was the third cup that was traditionally drank right after the meal. Um, and that third cup is the cup of redemption. I hope you heard that. This is the cup of redemption that Jesus is giving the disciples. He is saying, I am redemption. I am the one who is going to redeem you. I am the one who's going to save you. It is going to be my blood spilled so that you can be spared from the angel of death. You have been redeemed. There's a way out. There is a way out. It doesn't matter what has happened. It doesn't matter that you've been in slavery. It doesn't matter that you have been enslaved by sin. There is a way out. There is redemption. That is the message of communion, of this Passover. This cup is the fulfillment of a new covenant. This new covenant that Jesus speaks of, it gives meaning to the ancient prophecy in Jeremiah 31. I, I would encourage you, that's kind of your next step. Go back and read Jeremiah 31 uh, and just be amazed and, and weep for joy 
for it's the prophecy of new life and redemption and a new covenant. God says that I will make a new covenant with you and God's law will be written on your hearts. I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. That's what the Lord's Supper offers. When we gather together to take the bread and the cup, we are participating in this grand story of salvation begun in Exodus and Passover, the, the forefront of it. But then uh, we see Jesus taking it to a whole new level, not just redeeming a people, but redeeming all humanity, saving all, giving us new life, uh, his blood as a redemption for us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's why we gather to take communion. Let us pray. I thank you, God, for this great redemption story for communion, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table. Father, I pray that every time that we take it and receive it, we would be reminded of this grand salvation story that you became the sacrificial lamb that was slain and put on the doorposts of our hearts so that your law, your spirit would be within us. We thank you for your love and grace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.